everyone, welcome to the Paw Awareness Podcast, and thanks for joining me. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, and also check us out at pawawareness.org and on Instagram at pawawareness underscore official. On Instagram, we are doing submissions for Pet of the Week, where you can submit your foster pet, and we'll pick one winner every month, and we'll give $200 to their choice of charity or foster. Thanks for watching, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Paul Awareness Podcast. Today I have Tanya and Toby Tobias with Second Life Atlanta. Um, they are a thrift store that helps out animal rescues. And I'm gonna go ahead, um, let you guys introduce yourself a little bit, of, a little bit about what you guys do, and uh, take it from there. Hi, uh, I'm Tanya, uh, and I like to tell people it's my crazy idea that we're here today, which is pretty much the truth. Um, we started the Second Life about 10 years ago. We're in the metro Atlanta area, and um, we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary, and we've donated over $1.6 million to about 70 different animal rescues and spay-neuter programs since we've been open. So it's been quite a journey, just amazing, um, talking to, seeing animal lovers every day and just having them come through our store and being able to do something that is passionate for us as our, as our career. Um, so thanks for having us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming on. And was that the original plan? Like when you, when you started it, <laughs> was it, or did that kind of come along the way, like down the road into the thrift store business? So, uh, it's kind of serendipitous that we ended up uh, running a thrift store. Uh, I was back home. Well, we were back in my hometown for a high school reunion and my mom saw an ad in a local paper about a store there. And, uh, that's actually what inspired the idea uh, was, so I can't take credit for the idea, but it was inspired by a store in Lincoln, Nebraska called Pause for Cause, Cause for Pause. And uh, I had just left the corporate world. I wanted to do something for animals. And I thought, I love, I like their stores. I can do this. I don't have any retail experience, but we can do this. We'll, we'll succeed, we'll fail, whatever, but at least we'll try. And uh, so, so that's where the idea came from. So I often wonder what we would be doing today if we hadn't walked into that store in 2009 and the light bulb went off in my head. So, um, yeah. And, and Toby. Uh, yeah, I, I came along after I was there from the beginning, helping as a volunteer. Um, the idea was to have a small little boutique, like 2,500 square feet, small little place that she, a couple of volunteers and our dog Lucky could just manage, no big deal. Um, we were looking for spaces and looking for spaces. We came across one that has 5,000 square feet of retail space and another 2,000 square feet in the back room. So three times as big as what we were originally looking for, but we had no idea. We didn't know what we didn't know. And so we said, oh, sure, we can handle that. And then, so it went from being a small, just a boutique to a full-blown thrift store where we took everything. Um, and then as we started going, she realized that you can't run a 5,000 square foot store by yourself. Yeah, when we started, so. <laughs> it was me and our, and our 15 year old rescue Dalmatian who is the one that got us into animal rescue. Um, and when looking back on that, I would not recommend anyone <laughs> do that. Or with just yourself and your dog. He was cute, he did bring in business. He was our sales officer. But uh, he didn't do a whole lot of work otherwise. But it's funny because Toby always says he's the dreamer and I'm more the realist. And in this case, I was like, let's do this. And 
there was no realist to say no. To say no, yeah. <laughs> so we just went with it and it's been amazing. Um, we've met so many great people and you get to be around animal rescuers and people who love animals and dogs are welcome in our store. Or actually, we've had a rabbit and a cat before. Um, I've had birds. And a bird. Yeah. So it's just really cool. Um, <laughs> it's just a, a very fun place. Um, but yeah, it, Lucky was our second foster. He was a Dalmatian that was deemed unadoptable. Uh, he was an alpha male, six years old, leash reactive, uh, returned twice, and the rescue said, you know, just let him go because he's not adoptable. So it was the second time we fostered, and we had him, we took him to one event, and then we were like, he's not no, going anywhere. He can't go anywhere. He's um, awesome. <laughs> so, but so that's what opened our eyes up because we'd always rescued, but we'd never volunteered and actually been in the rescue world. And that's what got us started into volunteering with rescues and realizing, wow, they they do so much that people don't see behind the scenes just to save one dog and how much money is needed and volunteer resources. And so, um, yeah, I mean, and I like to talk about when we were looking at something to start and all the different ideas that we were throwing out there, there's all these different things. And, um, you know, we wanted to do something for rescue. And, you know, there's a financial pie that's out there that every rescue takes a slice out of, because there's only so much money that's out there. So we were trying to figure out, okay, what can we do to make that pie bigger? And so that's why this was such a great idea, because it does, it just makes the pie bigger. We're not taking anything from any of the rescues. We're able to take stuff that people no longer want in their house, they bring it to us, somebody else falls in love with it, buys it, and then we can take those funds and provide them as a as part of that financial pie. So, And do, you know, how does, what is the relationship with um, these rescues kind of look like, right? Like, is it just, you know, are you working with like the same ones then? Like, or like, how does that, how does, are they in, I know that you guys mentioned you're in the Atlanta area, right? Are they all in the Atlanta area then? Like, are there a lot of rescues um, in the Georgia area? I'm not familiar with that territory. Yeah, uh, we've, we've worked with about 60 or so different groups over the years. Um, wow. There's some, hundreds and hundreds. Yeah, because the there's, there's yes. small groups, tiny groups. And uh, right now we're pretty much in Georgia, so we don't we don't limit to just Atlanta area, but we, you know, we're, we're pretty much in Georgia. I think there's one group that's or there's a couple of groups that are, but one, it's like it's, they border Georgia and they do spay neutering in Georgia. Um, Eventually, our goal is to open up, like our dream is to be more national. But right now, the focus is it, uh, animal rescue is really it's a it's a tough thing here in Georgia because, um, you know, we think of animals as our family members and they sleep in our beds and all this. But there's a lot who um, they're just property. They're considered property in Georgia. There's a lot of um, in rural areas where the dogs are just dumped on country roads. Um, there's a lot of counties that don't have any animal control or animal shelter, um, or they don't allow people to adopt publicly. It's basically you hold them for a few days and then that's it. It's really depressing. It's very depressing. Um, so there's a lot of groups in the Atlanta area that are trying to really minimize dogs and cats ending up in shelters through spay and neuter programs, community outreach programs, uh, and things like that. Um, so yeah, right now our focus is still in Georgia, um, but I wish people understood how many rescues there are across the US and how much work goes into saving just one animal 
each day. And these rescuers, they're my, we have the easy job. We get to give out money and work in air conditioning. They have the tough job. They're the ones going and deciding which animals they can help and save. And it's, it's an emotional, it's, it's an emotional, it's, it's not easy. And there are heroes. And for maybe, you know, I guess this is kind of a two part question, but either someone thinking about, you know, starting up a thrift store and going down this path, or maybe they already have a thrift store. I know we kind of talked about this before the call where, you know, that, and they maybe want to kind of go down this path of helping animal rescues. What advice would you give to them or what piece of that you, maybe you wish you knew before, you know, eight, 10 years ago? It's a lot of work. I will not deny that. But I knew that going in because uh, the woman that I that inspired the story in my hometown, I went back and shadowed her for a few days just to make sure I knew what I was kind of getting into and whatnot. And I remember her saying, this is more work than you'll ever do in your life. And she was right. And it's 24-7, you know, when you have your own business. It's even when you're on vacation, you're answering mm -hmm. texts and questions and things like that. Um, I just, uh, I would say, you know, if you can, we only had two months to get up and running once we signed the lease. Uh, and so we didn't have time to hire people and get volunteers. But if you know you're going to do it, try and do that in advance before you actually open, because that would have been a huge difference. Um, it was tough the first few years. It was just me and a couple other folks. And, uh, you know, we gave up a lot socially with our friends and family. But now, luckily, we're in a position where we have a little more leeway. But um, build a bit, I guess the re advice would be do a business plan. Don't just go, I'm going to open, know who your audience is, know, know whether you're going to be the everything's $2 or we call ourselves upscale thrift. Um, so we're not the one where you go and you dig in bins, you know, we have a really nice setup. And um, so know what your target is uh, and who you're, who, who you want to attract and go from there because that's going to be really key. Yeah, the, the having a plan is a big thing because I think you had a great business plan. I had like plan. a 20-page business plan. Her, her business plan was amazing for what we were going to do and how we were going to do things. Um, but the side of it that was missing was more of the operational side as uh, like employee manuals, volunteer manuals, all of those things, job descriptions, because we hadn't even thought that far ahead because once we signed a lease, we're like, oh, we got to get going. And so we just jumped on it and went. And so you know, 10 years later, we're still working on some of those things because you work a little bit here, a little bit there, and there's not a lot of time to do those things. So that's my thing. Had we, had we known now, or then what we know now, I would have sat down and created all those things ahead of time. So we would have had them in place, still knowing that they're going to be tweaked, but you know, neither, again, neither of us had any type of retail resale experience. So we had no idea which in some take. cases actually helped us out yeah. because if we had yeah. known stuff, we might've said, Oh, we, we're not ready to do this. So, but, um, uh, it's, yeah. you know, with all the hard work and the 24 seven, it's been one of the best, some of the best 10 years, just being able to help animals and hear people thank us and thank our team. You know, like we always say, Toby and I put this idea in place, but our team is is the heart of the organization. They're the ones that are here every day. They're dedicated. We have volunteers, we have employees, and they are the ones that really make this a special place. And, and our customers notice that, our donors notice that. And they talk about, you know, coming here and we call it resale therapy. It's a, it's a happy place. You come here to relax, find some goodies, 
our team is, I mean, the, the team never gets enough credit. And that's one thing I really want to stress is that your team is going to determine what kind of store you have. And for us, customer service is very, very important because you, you have a finite number of places to give your money when you're shopping. And we want that place to be here. And um, so that's one way to differentiate ourselves. So it's a fun place. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like you guys are just having a blast. And what what do you, you know, I guess what one thing I wanted to ask too was, you know, we're just coming out of this, you know, COVID-19 scenario and that was, you know, crazy. Um, how did you, speaking of like business plans and stuff, did you see yourself having to pivot um, at <laughs> that all? That was not in the business plan. <laughs> that was not, right? I don't think it was in yeah, anyone's business plan. was not in the business plan. Like, but did you like come up with something like, like, did, did anything change in terms of your, like your day to day and stuff like that? Like, what did that look like? Um, so one of the first things after completely shutting down, one of the first things that it was Tanya's idea, we had a small online presence that we had been doing like some eBay sales for really cool kitschy stuff that we would get in that um, was just neat collectibles, that kind of stuff. Um, but she started saying, why aren't we selling stuff yeah, right so we now. were closed for 10 weeks when everyone was in quarantine. Uh, so I would come to the store and find things that were already in the store. And we just created an online store that we still got going. And now we have volunteers running and things like that. Um, but things like people, you know, people are stuck at home. What do they want to do? Jigsaw puzzles. So we took all the jigsaw right? puzzles yeah. and posted them online. And people were coming in and buying up jigsaw puzzles. You know, it's like we would, well, actually, they weren't coming in at the time, but we would it was local drop-offs so people would give us their address and we would go have everything tied up put it on their front porch our dogs loved it because they were my co-pilot <laughs> <laughs> like a car, like, constant car rides so like and you yeah. know we have we have two stores side by side one is more uh it was in an add-on at a year and a half after we opened because we ran out of space but it's too small to socially distance so we're right now we're using that for our online sales uh and so that store's shut, which people keep asking us about, but we take, we're taking this very seriously. We're trying to keep our, our number one priority is keeping our team safe, keeping our customers safe. So um, it's been a challenge, but you know what? We are in such a better position than other small businesses. And for that, we're very thankful and grateful because we have customers that, you know, they've been supporting us in supporting long small businesses and everything. And um, one of the toughest things once, once we started to reopen which was what in June, June, when we started to reopen, the first thing that we were thinking about was, okay, looking at the CDC guidelines, you know, and back then people really weren't sure about how long does something live on a surface of something? Does it live mm -hmm. longer on yep. a hard surface or a soft surface? So we had some of our team members were like, I don't know if we should have stuffed animals anymore. It's like, because who knows how long it's going to live on there. People aren't going to want to buy that. But it was going through all those processes figuring out like a quarantine process. We used to take donations every day and they would just literally, as we were getting them in, they were going right out on the floor, you know, after they get processed. And now we get everything and we're doing it Fridays and Saturdays. That's when the donations come in. We let them sit. We start sorting through them on Tuesday, get through them through the week. And then next Friday, Saturday, get more donations in. So, I mean, that's a complete change. And, and it's difficult to manage because you still get people who show up on Tuesday Hey, I've got, I'm kind of shop and I have these donations. Can you take them? Um, so it's the, how do We've you balance adapted, all of that? Yeah. COVID is, is thrown a, a few wrenches into the system, but thankfully everyone's pretty patient and understanding. So 
Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's always good to hear like people pivoting. And I always like to ask that question to kind of see maybe someone's listening and they're like, oh, you know, that's a great idea. Or I didn't think of that um, yeah. type type of thing to kind of start I mean, that you conversation. Have, you have to be, I guess one of the biggest pieces of advice I would say is like, you have to be flexible and understand that there is never a start and a finish to this business. Like if you are wanting the, the bin of clothes to be empty, then you're in trouble because you just need a constant flow. So for people who need a, a very linear, strategic, like focus plan, this might not be the best business. You have to be able to kind of just go with the flow. You're going to have some months where <clears throat> donations are really high, some where they're low. So you have to figure out, you know, how do you manage that process and things like that. So flexibility and uh, patience and, and uh, willingness to just smile, even though, you know, you're right. And, is, is very important, but yeah, I mean, yeah. the flexibility, exactly. the willingness to change when you come across something that's okay, we're doing it this way. And then all of a sudden you realize, you know, that's probably not the best way. There might be something better or some, you get a new team member that comes in and says, Hey, have you thought about trying to do this this way? And you're like, we hadn't tried that before. So let's go ahead and try and see what happens. And so it's just experimenting with different ways of doing things. Um, and I think that's what helps with us is we're willing to do those experimental things. We're willing to try new things. Um, we, we're also willing to let people learn. We let our team members learn from experience. Um, you know, I remember one long ago, shortly after we opened, we thought Christmas in July would be a great thing. Everyone loves Christmas in July. Let's do that. We did it. <laughs> all the work that goes into bringing out all the Christmas decorations for one month and then putting them all back away for the little bit of sales you get, it, it was neat and customers enjoyed the experience, but they weren't buying anything. They just liked looking at the Christmas stuff. So we had some, another team member who came on and she's like, I want to do Christmas in July. And we were like, sure, go for it. If we don't do anything with it, you can go for it. And she went through, figured out the same thing. Cause we were like, you know what? Maybe it was just that one time. Maybe if we did it every year, it would work. It again was Horrible. I mean, she decorated the whole place like it was December. It was absolutely amazing. The whole store was decorated, window displays, and yeah, it didn't work. And so now she's like, never again, never again. But hey. she's learned to teach people that way too, to let them fail on their own. Because if we would have just said, no, we're not going to do that, she'd been like, oh, see, they just don't want to try new things. But by letting her try it and letting her see, oh yeah, it didn't work. You give those you give people the opportunity to try things and fail and they'll do much better for you and they're willing to try new things if you allow them to try things so that's really cool i think that's great advice and just you know constantly experimenting and kind of like figuring out new things i think it's huge for any business um and where do you guys see your like the you know you got a decade under your belt now like like what are some of your goals maybe the next year a couple of years five years where do you kind of see this going and uh, follow up is how can people support you guys? So I know she always laughs at me, but I joke around that, you know, Goodwill's about a hundred and some odd years old now. And so a hundred years from now, I'd like to see second life be synonymous. So instead of, Oh, I'm heading to Goodwill anywhere in the country, people knows, you know, everyone knows what that means. I want people to be able to say that about second life. Now, granted, I hope a hundred years from now, we don't have pet for population like we do now. But maybe there's something else that our we could goal be doing. ideally is that we wouldn't be needed as a business, yeah. right? And then we could shift it towards helping families who have like medical and emergencies with their, you know, support individuals. 
but right now, um, I think we euthanize uh, about 50,000 animals in Georgia alone wow. uh, each year. And uh, so, yeah, it, the goal eventually is that we would never need this, but um, we would love to expand. Um, that's you know, one of our goals. Yeah, one of our goals is looking looking for a new location. Within to try Atlanta to, and then beyond. So. Yeah, so slowly build up Atlanta with a few more stores, you know, long-term, few more stores. Location and then, Australia, we'll have to go check that one out. But. Yeah, right. Where do we want to live? Exactly. Yeah, I love <laughs> it. I love when it. We, when I started the store, when we started it, like I didn't want it just to be, oh, it's a thrift store. So I wanted it to be a community place. And so we uh, we foster cats and kittens pre-COVID pre uh, for a rescue and people would come and adopt animals that might not get seen at the shelter. We, we collect pet food for a pet food pantry. Um, we have signs around the store that are educational about spaying and neutering and adopting and how black dogs and cats are often less likely to be adopted simply because of their black fur. Um, we donate old blankets and stuff to shelters. So we wanted it to be more of a community place, not just a store. Um, and when we grow that would, I would like for that to continue where we are still helping the rescues monetarily, but also other ways showcasing the amazing animals that are always up for adoption that sometimes you just get animals that are overlooked for no reason. Like there's nothing that would, you know, they're friendly, they're all this, but they just keep getting overlooked for the younger or the lighter or the whatever. Um, so we just want to keep growing. And I mean, I would love to just say, you know, we, we're donating millions of dollars every year, which we'll, maybe someday we'll get to, but I just want to do more. I want to do help more animals. I want to help animals in other parts of the South and um, in international animals. You know, we um, we traveled overseas to visit some family in Egypt, and we brought back dogs back from a shelter there called Esma that has like fifteen hundred dogs and cats, and they do maybe fifty dog fifty adoptions a year, if that, because it's not a pet loving culture generally, it's growing, but most of the pets there are purebreds. People don't want the mixed breeds, the street the street dogs, except for the true animal lovers. So we're trying to uh, help them out when we travel there to visit family. And they're just such amazing dogs. So actually our two dogs are um, Egypt, from Egypt as well. Um, but it's just really promoting the fact that adoption is the way to go. And then if you have to buy from a breeder, how to buy from a responsible breeder versus a pet store or, or puppy mill or whatnot. So, but in our hearts, rescues are the only way, but we know not everyone believes that. So, Nationally, it's tough for people to necessarily help us out. If, you, if somebody lives in the yeah. Atlanta area, obviously donating their gently used items they no longer want, instead of going to a Goodwill or a Salvation Army or something, it can come to us and then we can then help animals with that. Um, the online store though, we do ship all across the country. We've had people from all across the country find items because they're looking for a specific thing. And so when they Google search it, it pops up and they're like, because Tanya's always asking them, how did you find out about us? Because you live in Seattle or somewhere else. And that's what they tell us is that they've just Google searched for that specific item and we pop up on the list. So if people are looking for specific things, they can always I mean, we all, we're a 501 C3 nonprofit. People can always donate uh, funds to us. 2020 was really tough and, and we had to significantly reduce the grants we could give out because being closed, we were using the money that we would usually use for grants just to keep the lights on and, and things like that. So um, yeah, and if you're local in Atlanta, donate. We're always looking for volunteers. Uh, right. They are uh, 
so important to our, our mission. We're in the Decatur Avondale Estates area in Atlanta, which is on the east side. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, there, you can donate, you can shop, you can volunteer. But even if you can't help us directly within your city or town, wherever you are, uh, there's so many animal rescues that need help. They need volunteers. They need people to transport animals. They need fosters. That's one of the, the biggest needs for rescues is a foster home. And a lot of times rescues aren't necessarily constrained by other anything else except the lack of foster homes. So that's really big um, and it's really rewarding. It's, you're doing it for the dog or the cat. Um, but yeah, uh, and then if you're in the Atlanta area, please come check us out tell your friends. Um, we get a lot of folks who tell us where their favorite place to shop. And although it sounds like we're bragging, we kind of are. It's, <laughs> I love to hear it. it. I mean, that means that what we're doing is we're doing it right. Our team is doing a great job. And um, we love it when the dogs and cats bring their humans to shop. Um, so yeah, it's just a great, it's a great environment. We call it resale therapy. It is a great feeling. I mean, just, just the other night we had somebody who so Tanya, I'm like, I don't mean to sound creepy, but I love your store. And it's like all of this stuff. It's like, we were just out. We were just out and about. And it's like somebody, they, they recognize us from the store or from other things that we publicity stuff. But it's just, wow. it's kind of strange to have that happen. Um, and yeah, I, and but I it's nice to, when it does, because it makes us feel good right. that people know us, recognize us and recognize that we're trying to do good for the community. And that makes me feel good. Yeah. And I have to laugh because when I was a teenager, I'd go to stores with my mom. I'm, I grew up in Nebraska and uh, I'd be so embarrassed, you know, what if someone saw me in the store and I, I can't believe I'm here. And so she gets such a kick out of the fact that we now, I started one. Yeah. <laughs> and, but this isn't like your grandma's thrift store. I mean, you walk in, it's bright. It's, it, they, they've changed a lot. They're more of a retail experience than they used to be. Um, and, and that was very much part of our goal too. So, but yeah, it's, it's, I just love the fact that I used to be so embarrassed and now I run one. That came full circle. It's awesome. <laughs> yes. That's so awesome. Um, yeah, guys. I mean, I I appreciate you coming on and all of your links and address. If who, if you're listening right now, check that out in the description of below, wherever you're listening on there on Instagram. Uh, the address is there. If you're in the, in the, in the area, stop on by. I know I'm going to, if I'm in the area, <laughs> definitely going to stop awesome. on by and see what I can, what I can find. Make you can help us give homeless pets a second chance at life. That's yeah. how we got the name. That's second awesome. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. awesome. I appreciate it, guys. I mean, thanks for coming on. And uh, oh, thanks for having appreciate us. Appreciate you great. having us. And uh, yeah, hope to see. And if you do hear this in podcast and you do come shop, please let ask for know. Tanya and Toby and let us know. We'd, we'd love to chat with you. So. All right. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks.